Hello, everyone. This is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. The countdown is on. Q3 of 2019 is over, and we are less than 100 days from the beginning of the 2020s. To do the 12 Geniuses third quarter review, I've asked Devin McGrath, the assistant producer of 12 Geniuses, to join me and play host. Devin is responsible for booking guests, our social media strategy, and she comes up with many of the ideas for the show. Basically, the show couldn't go on without Devin. Devin, welcome to 12 Geniuses. Thanks, Don. I'm excited to be here. And I'm also excited to discuss what 12 Geniuses is following, where you've been traveling, what your focus is going to be on for the next quarter. And I think a really good point to start at would be if you could just tell me what's been going on for the last three months. The things that we're following are very similar to what we've been following for the last year or so. As you know, we follow technologies that are changing the way we live and work, including artificial intelligence, drones, the Internet of Things, 3D printing, other robots, virtual reality. We're following aging and trends in cannabis. Those are just a handful of the things that we've been following over the last year and over the last three three months um, during Q3 of 2019. But my focus really has been turned on to two very interesting topics, and I've just started to dig into them. The first is aging and the treatment of aging as a disease. So for, for years, doctors and people in the healthcare field have treated aging as, as if it's inevitable. But some doctors are now thinking about how we could possibly cure aging. And that's been a focus of mine over the last three months. Like I said, I'm just starting to get into it, but it's fascinating where they believe that they can stop physical and cognitive declines that human beings have been facing since the beginning of time. And then the other thing that that I've been turned on to recently is just ethics, particularly ethics when it comes to technology use. So for example, we can clone animals or human beings, but should we? Using CRISPR or gene editing, well, what are the ethics behind that? Um, the use of drones in, in a war scenario, is that ethical? And so the examination of technological use and just because we can do something, should we be doing something? That is becoming a bigger focus area for, for me and we'll learn more about that on 12 Geniuses, the podcast. I know that you love to travel, so where have you been in the last quarter? I actually went on seven trips over the last three months. The first one was to Iceland. It was my second trip to Iceland, and that was for pure pleasure. A great trip, only there for about five days. Then I went to L.A. to actually took my 15-year-old niece to Los Angeles. It was her first time there. We've been doing these trips for the last handful of years. Then I went on to New York, Montreal, Las Vegas, L.A. again, and I just got back from Estes Park, Colorado. Is there one specific thing that you found remarkable or that you learned a lot from, like one moment while you were traveling that you were like, wow? Whenever I travel, there's something that I learn with each trip. The thing that probably sticks out from those seven trips that I mentioned was going to Iceland and seeing the effects of global warming. You can see it there. If you know anything about Iceland, you know that there are huge glaciers there, massive, massive, monstrous glaciers there. And one in particular you can walk up to 
it's not far from villages and far from one of the main roads. And we did. We hiked around near that glacier, and you see it melting, and it's obvious that this is happening. So that was probably the one thing that was remarkable and quite sad and cannot escape the topic of global warming when you go to Iceland. What's been going on with season two, and who have you been interviewing in Q3? Season two kicked off beginning of September. I think our first episode was out September 9th, which was fabulous. It was such a great honor to interview Daniel Pink, the author of When, the author of Drive, the author of A Whole New Mind, a handful of other books as well. So I went out to Washington a few months ago with this idea of interviewing him around creativity and innovation with a focus on creativity. And so we talked about the when of creativity. We talked about the importance of creativity, how to attract talent to your organization if if you're looking for creative minds. Fabulous interview. So he was the first one. And the subsequent 11 interviews that we will release over the next three months will be focused on creativity and innovation. So we have coming up, and these are folks who I have interviewed over the last three months. Ken Ricci is an architect who has dedicated the last 50 years of his life, dedicated his career to building and designing humane jails and courtrooms. Merdad Mahutian is an Iranian scientist located in Montreal, and he has developed a process for creating concrete that uses carbon as a natural resource, as an ingredient. So it's actually a carbon-negative concrete-making process. And then a couple of other of the interviews, Simone Ban Ahuja, we just released a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, she works with Fortune 500 companies to help them kind of reinvent themselves and refocus on innovation, build cultures of innovation. That's a fascinating conversation. And then the last interview that I did over the last three months is with Dr. Robert Eichinger. And fans of the show will know that he was episode one of the podcast. He talked about, in that first episode, he talked about the brain and leadership and the importance of EQ and emotional intelligence. And we talk about in this new interview, which will air in season three, we talk about the future of leadership. You hopefully have some interviews coming up in Q4. What's going on for our interviews? There are going to be 12 episodes of season two. We have recorded nine of them so far, so we have to find three more guests. And I haven't even let you know this, the assistant producer of the show, but there is a very, very interesting guest who I will be talking to later today or tomorrow about possibly being on the show. It's an exciting, exciting potential guest. So I won't won't spill the beans yet. Once I get confirmation, then we, we will share it. And then we have to find two more guests to round out the season. And I know you've been reaching out to a lot of different people on fascinating topics. So we will see who we get. And then we'll start in season three. And season three should be pretty interesting. I think we will start out with a futurist to talk about what the 2020s will look like, some trends that we should be focusing on, some methodologies for becoming future-ready and kind of future-proofing your organization and future-proofing yourself. So we will start off 2020 with that episode. But I'm excited with the growth and the interest of the show. We're starting to develop some very 
very loyal listeners and followers. And the growth is interesting. It's It's been exciting. And some of the things that we've got coming up should help us explode the growth. Going back to our leadership moments that we released over the summer, what were they and what did you learn from them? One of the things I wanted to do was create some content that was really digestible, quite a bit shorter than the interviews, the long-form interviews that we typically release, which are 30 to 50 minutes long. And so in order to do that, we created these leadership moments, 12 leadership moments of people who have displayed extraordinary leadership in a single moment or throughout their life. And these are typically three to five minutes long. And we released them over the summer. It's just narrated by me. Our colleague, Brian Bierbaum, did a lot of the research for these. And these are people who, like Elizabeth Eckford, who was part of the Little Rock Nine, the the people who integrated the Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, or Martin Luther King, who delivered the I Have a Dream speech. We talked about a particular moment in that I Have a Dream speech. I did one episode on my grandfather and my stepdad. So that was kind of a combined episode. My mom was involved in that one as well. And we talked about Shaquille Nelson, my little brother. We did an episode on him. Teddy Roosevelt Jr., Clara Lemlich, who was a labor organizer. And uh, remarkable, remarkable people put in remarkable situations and displayed and demonstrated incredible leadership in those moments. And we wanted to... We wanted to expose the audience to great leaders who they may not necessarily know or a moment in a great leader's life. And so that's what those leadership moments were and really, really well received because they are so digestible. You know, the the time commitment is three to five minutes and you will definitely learn something by listening to them. So we will do something quite similar to that in the future without a doubt. Did you have a favorite leadership moment? The one with my grandpa, for sure, is the one. There was a moment when my mom toured a mine that was very similar to where my, this is an iron ore mine, an underground iron ore mine. The the one that she toured, men on a daily basis used to go 2,000 feet below the surface of the earth and blast rock. So it was dark and dirty and very, very dangerous. And I remember my mom recounting the story of when she toured this mine. The tour guide extinguished his light and everyone was in complete darkness. And at the moment, my mom cried. She realized just how much her father sacrificed to make her life the great life that it is. And... It was an homage to my grandfather and an homage to my stepdad who did the same thing in a similar mine, not underground like that, but it was awful conditions. I worked in that mine for two summers when I was in college, and I know what he sacrificed in order to make my life and the lives of my sisters and my mom possible. And so that episode is really near and dear to my heart. And then the one with Shaquille is is quite near and dear to my heart as well because he's just a wise, wise human being. And he has been since he was a preteen. And so we talk about one of those very wise moments that he shared with me. So I loved putting those together and sharing those stories. But those are the two that really stick out to me. It's remarkable how emotional 
it can be to put something like that together. And I, I remember I remember we did the story on Max Colby, who is a, was a Franciscan friar who was in Auschwitz. And he gave his life so another person could live. And, and recording that story, recording that story, and, and it was just after a mass shooting had occurred. So I wrote the story before the mass shooting, and then I recorded it the day after. And I broke down crying. I just didn't know how powerful the story was. And I just broke down crying when I was recording that. And I just, I, I did not expect that to happen. But these are can be very emotionally charging stories. And it was an honor to tell them. Some of the other personal stories that you like to tell us are a little bit more lighthearted. And we get to hear every now and then a bit about your two beautiful girls. And I'm just curious, you know, what are they teaching you now? Devin, my daughters are my greatest teachers. And the three and a half years or three and a half years plus that I've been a father has has taught me so much about myself and so much about human beings and compassion and resilience. And my younger daughter is 15 months. And what I've observed over the last couple of months is the incredible comprehension she has. She cannot say a word, but she understands so much. And what it reminds me of is just language. So when I was living in Germany, I could understand so much more than I could speak. So conversations would be happening all around me and I could follow along, but I wasn't fluent enough to communicate and join the conversation. But a lot of people thought I was ignorant because I couldn't understand or couldn't communicate or couldn't participate in the conversation. So that that's one of the things that we have to understand is just because somebody may not be able to communicate effectively doesn't necessarily mean they don't understand. So that can be, you know, an immigrant who is in your community or it could be somebody at work. So this is the point that I really wanted to make with this is people will be able to understand a lot more than they're able to articulate. So if think about a new employee, they're absorbing so much information and they're, they are able to understand a great deal of it, even if they're not able to communicate back. And eventually they will be able to communicate. But this is something that we have to keep in mind as we're thinking about how we're training people or how we're getting feedback from people or how we're leading people, particularly when they're new to the organization. They may not be able to to say the things that they need to say, but they certainly can comprehend more than they're able to articulate. And this is something that I learned from my daughter. I can relate and I can think of other examples where I've felt the same way and I've you know, been able to understand but not really articulate how I understand it. Well, the last thing that I will say in your response kind of reminded me of this is that she often gets frustrated because she does understand so much, but she can't communicate back. And that's something that we have to understand as well, is that people understand implications to certain things, but may not be able to express themselves emotionally or verbally. That may be one of the root causes to a frustrating situation or a frustrating interaction. So if you're a leader, understanding this, their inability to articulate how they might be feeling or 
to find the words to properly communicate a problem, you may interpret their frustration a little bit differently and have a little bit more empathy with it and work with them to find the language. And so that's what I have learned from it. And I probably, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have learned this with another child, but because I'm with her every day, I know how much she does understand. And when she gets frustrated, it's a, because I'm not understanding how she's trying to communicate. And so we can work together, collaborate together to solve it. And I see this all the time with her. I wish I had known this when I was leading a big group of people because I think I could have been more empathetic and done a more effective job of leading people when they were expressing frustration or demonstrating frustration and helping them to articulate what the problems might be and and how we could come up with solutions together. Last question for you, Don. What is currently filling you with a sense of optimism? The thing that's filling me with a sense of optimism is a thousand solutions to a problem. And what I mean by that is we've spent a lot of time thinking about, talking about global warming, looking at new technologies for global warming. So this is one existential problem that we have as humanity is If we don't start solving global warming, hundreds of millions of people will be at risk and the future of humanity is threatened. Without a doubt, there's there's enough evidence out there. What I've started to realize is that there doesn't have to be one magic bullet. There doesn't have to be one solution. There can actually be a thousand solutions. And the thousand solutions can solve this problem in various ways. Talking to Merdad Mahutian, who developed this concrete making system. And for those people who, who aren't aware of this, the production of concrete creates 5% of global emissions. So if we just adopted Merdad's concrete making process, which is carbon negative, it actually takes carbon out of the air in order to create this concrete, it would eliminate 5% of CO2 emissions globally if we adopted that worldwide. Why can't we come up with a thousand of these types of innovations in order to come up with the overall solution? So that's what's filling me with a sense of optimism. The innovative power of our creators today is just awe-inspiring, and I am so eager to see what the next 10 years has. Don, thank you. For letting me host the show today. It's been really fun being on this side of the show. You're welcome, Devin. And thank you for doing this. And thank you for all of your contributions to the show. The show wouldn't be quite the same without you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it feels like we're on a rocket ship right now, and uh, we'd probably be in a horse and buggy without you. So thank you for doing this. Thanks. It's been fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Q3 Review. If you are interested in the future, future technologies, future trends that are shaping the way we live and work, we write and report on these trends. You can follow us on social media, at 12 Geniuses, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram.